Good morning, everyone. Exodus 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. Now you may recall from Exodus 1 that the Pharaoh of Egypt was calling for the killing, murder of young boys um, because the Israelites were multiplying so much, just as God said they would. And he was threatened by this, and he was looking to put away the young boys. So this woman had a young boy, and she hid him, which understandably so. But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch to help it float. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Her sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. And it's interesting here how God's hand works. Uh, you know, you wonder how much these ladies orchestrated this, how much God was involved in making sure what he wanted to happen to Moses would happen. Because this is going, and, you know, sure enough, Look at verse 5. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid, and she brought it to her. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the boy was crying. And she had pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sisters said to Pharaoh, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman that she may nurse the child for you? So that the sister of the one who had the baby is introducing to Pharaoh's daughter that, hey, I can go find someone to nurse this child. It's amazing how all this worked out and how God gave favor to them and, and from the um, Pharaoh's daughter that such favor was found to protect this child. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. <clears throat> so the girl went and called the child's mother. So now they get the original mother to nurse the child. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. <laughs> so she's Moses is actually going to have his mom nurse him and get paid to nurse him. Uh, the amazing provision of God in this situation so the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. Now, I'm assuming this happened for quite some time. I, I think in, you know, in years ago, the a, amount of time that a child was nursed was much more than it is today, probably, you know, without formula and, you know, bottles like we have today, um, I think the child fed from the mother for much longer. So, you know, Moses grew up with the care of his mother and the care of a Hebrew mother. And, you know, I even wonder as we go through these stories, the story of Moses, like if him and his mom ever connected, because Moses, it seems very much is going to identify with being a Hebrew. He could probably see that he was different. But although he's going to get raised in in the in Egyptian home and, and and because of that get an Egyptian education, which I think was going to be far better than what he would have got as a Hebrew, 
which is going to allow him to be a, a better leader in the future. But it seems like he he always kept a connection to the Israelites and, and being Hebrew. So now it came about in those days when Moses had gone up that he went out to his brethren and looked at their hard labors. And I'm guessing at this point he is some type of late teen, maybe even young adult, but likely, you know, strong enough to stand on his own two feet. So he sees the Hebrews getting treated with hard labor, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And it says one of his brethren. See, he identified with with being a Hebrew. So he looked this way and that, and when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And I'm guessing what this Egyptian was doing was really brutal and unfair and and you know that Moses just could not take it. And uh he he murdered the Egyptian and buried him to hide him. And he went out the next day and behold two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, "Why are you striking your companion here again identifying with, hey, why are you guys you guys are all part of the same, you know, family, part of the same country, people. Why are you fighting? But he said, who made you a prince or a judge over us? They said to him, are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So now Moses is knowing that people know, and, and as a result, that he's going to be in danger. Then Moses was afraid and said, surely the matter has become known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So here Moses has to flee. It's just amazing how all this stuff happens so that God can do a work in Moses, and he's going to be away from Egypt for quite some time now. Now, the priest of Midian, and that's interesting, so a chief, a ruler, maybe a spiritual man, priest, which is a good a good person for Moses to connect with, by the way, to reconnect him uh, to a greater degree with, with Yahweh and to help him in his journey of maturity and in faith. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And I think you're beginning to see, and you know, Moses, like any other Bible person, isn't perfect. We'll find faults in him as we go along. But yet, look what happened. He's a Hebrew, so he's part of God's people. He gets an Egyptian education, which likely very much helped him. But yet he has this defender personality. Like, he doesn't like people being picked on. He doesn't like people being mistreated. And when he sees that, he has a a certain boldness about him to stand up for what's right. And we saw that already in, in this chapter twice. And it's just interesting how God pulls all these pieces together to eventually call Moses. And I think he knew what was in Moses, even before Moses knew what was in himself, and that he picked the right guy for the task. So when they came to Ruel, the father, the priest, 
he said, why have you come back so soon today to his daughters? So they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And Moses may have looked like or dressed like an Egyptian, uh, n- not probably from his, you know, just pure appearance, but maybe from what he was wearing. And what is more, he even drew the water for us and watered the flock. And that would be unusual, I think, to see. So Ruel takes notice of that. He said to his daughters, "Why? where is he then? Why is it that you have left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. And I wonder, I wonder if Ruel's trying to, you know, set up his daughters. I mean, I think, you know, when you, uh, you know, when you're a father of daughters and, and, you know, say it appears they're of age to meet someone and he's probably looking for the right guy too. And, uh, so, Hey, somebody did a really great task. Sounds like a pretty decent guy. Let's get him around. So invite him to have something to eat. So Moses was willing to dwell with the man. And sure enough, he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses. Now I didn't mention earlier that this is an Abraham descendant. Um, the Midians are an Abraham descendant. So Moses is marrying back into the family here in this case. And, uh, you know, God's working it all out. Then she gave birth to a son and she named him Gershom. For he said, I have been a sojourner and foreigner in the land. And a lot of times people got names for their situations and his name means a, a, a stranger or sojourner. And, uh, you know, Moses is not in his homeland of Egypt, but he's beginning to have a home now among the Israelite people in a, in a foreign land. Most of the Israelites are, of course, in Egypt being slaves in Pharaoh, and we'll see that now. Now, it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage. They were being treated as slaves, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. And listen to this. So God heard their groaning, God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all the way back from Genesis 12 through 15. God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. What a beautiful ending to this chapter. God heard their cry. He remembered his covenant. God saw the sons of Israel and he took notice of them. They cried out and then God heard their cry and he remembered his covenant and he saw them and he took notice of them. And, you know, it's not going to be an immediate thing. It's not always going to be instantaneous. But God heard their cry. He saw, he took notice, and he remembered them. And, man, what a beautiful thing to have a God who hears, who sees, who takes notice. And be patient, um, men and women of God. Turn to God in your your prayer and wait on the Lord. And uh, I believe you'll see goodness in the land of the living. And also, you'll see the land of eternity. You know, it's making me reflect back on probably one of the hardest times in my life was the starting of the church that I now lead. And, you know, it started off very small and was small for a long time and financially stricken and challenging in that way, challenging emotionally, uh, just having a small church, you know, and 
I mean, I can remember crying out to God and, and, uh, you know, one time when we had no money, all of a sudden someone I never met gave our church 7,000 actually it came in my mailbox made out to the church. And, uh, what an amazing thing that was just to see that God noticed. I, I remember just two days prior getting on my knees and praying to God. And then this check came and God, I cried out to God. He heard my cry. He remembered his blessing on his people. He saw me and he took notice. And, you know, God is good. And, um, you know, sometimes you got to persevere. Sometimes you may not see immediate results or you may feel like God's not responding. Keep crying out. Keep waiting. Keep doing what's right. Seek to honor the Lord as you wait. And, and know that he's there and that he will see you through. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And we will see you next time in Exodus 3.